Hey everybody, it's officially draft season, and we here at Upside Swings couldn't do what we do without Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. Hi everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined by the great Stone Hansen and the wonderful Cooper Klein, and the next in our series of guests here to discuss the Memphis Grizzlies. This is someone we had on earlier to talk about uh, Coops, Houston Cougars, and you know, I just... We we uh, we 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 love his work. We we love the the perspective he brings, and that's the great Brian McKell. Brian, my friend, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about some basketball. Love draft prep and everything. So excited to hear what you guys have to say. I've already listened to a few pods, so I know a few things. But I'm really excited to just have a great discussion about a, a team that's really on the rise. Yeah, Coop. So yeah, I'm doing great. Um... Apart from the traffic, uh, it's been a good day. So, um, you know, I'm excited to talk with Brian. And, and uh, I love this Grizzlies team, as probably every person that listens to us does, because if you like the Grizzlies, you like the draft. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, talk about some some names and, and how they all fit in here. Yeah, this is one of, you know, this is one of the best drafting teams in the league. Uh, and like Stone said, we, we were talking a little bit earlier. He was like, "There, this is the only team in the NBA with 15 NBA players on the roster. Uh, so just a really funky team to talk about. And uh, interesting to see where they go from here. Because it, it really feels like this season is kind of their crossroads to some degree. Yeah, so let's talk, before we get too into the draft stuff or anything like that, let's talk about the way this season went. It felt like a lot of the season was positive. They once again had one of those years where even though Jaw struggled, whether it be Taylor Jenkins' genius or Jaron Jackson's defensive prowess or, you know, Tyus Jones being just a great backup guard, they still managed to win a shit ton of games despite Jaw missing some time. And, 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 you know, even when he did play, playing maybe a little below his expectations. But then the playoffs came. They lost in six games to the Lakers. And it kind of felt like that was a comfortable win for the Lakers the Lakers obviously went up 3-1 and then you know didn't really have too much issue putting them away so Brian what, what were your thoughts on kind of the Grizzly season as a whole and then looking forward what do you think maybe led to some of their playoff blunders and and what are those holes or needs that this team needs to fill yeah so I think the Grizzly season like you guys brought up it's really a, an interesting discussion I think for a lot of teams, it's pretty straightforward with how you feel they did that season. With the Grizzlies on the court, like you mentioned, they won a ton of games. They won 51 games this year. Only six teams in the NBA won 50 games this year, and they were one of them. Um, This is the second year in a row they've done that. They finished as the second seed. So, you know, they had a great year in a lot of ways, but um, they are still so young. Um, So it's really impressive that they've already done all that and accomplished that much already. But with that, you know, young core comes a little bit of immaturity. And I think that's the main thing that kind of reared its ugly head towards the end of the season, um, just causing some distractions with, you know, just saying things that are going to make the other team, you know, put an extra target against you whenever they face you, um, completely unnecessary. Um, so I think they need to work on that. Um, and they just need to make sure that um, they have the guys that they want to have in the building when they make it past the second round of the playoffs. I think with Dylan Brooks, 
Um, he's obviously not going to be a part of that plan, according to the reports. So um, I think they're they're going to have to work this offseason. I think Cooper put it great that they're at a bit of a crossroads because what they've done has worked for them so far. But they're clearly indicating that they want to go in a different direction by making it loud and obvious that Dylan Brooks won't be around. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, you know, fix the issues that came up in that Lakers series and, you know, get past the second round in the future. Yeah. And, and I think this team is so fascinating because they obviously got talked about as kind of the draft Twitter team for a while. Um, and I think that while there's a lot of benefit to that, it also does still feel like there's maybe like a, 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 a step of indecision at, at times with where this team wants to go because they're so, I don't want to say in love with, but, you know, generally happy with the guys they've drafted. They sometimes seem unwilling to move on from them. Uh, and, and that's shown up like when you, when we're talking about this roster moving forward, they have a, like basically their whole team under roster aside from Dylan Brooks for next year. They have Jaron Jackson, Luke Kennard, Tyus Jones, Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, who will be hurt still, I believe. He tore his Achilles. He's going to miss most of next year. Zaire Williams, Desmond Bain, Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, John Conchar, Santi Aldama, Xavier Tillman. and or Z- Xavier Tillman's is partially guaranteed, but I imagine he's back because that is, you know, a cheap contract and, and he's really good. He closed playoff games as their primary defender on LeBron. I just think there's so many, like, players on this team already that it's sometimes hard to figure out, like, where are the holes they're even going to fill? So that kind of brings up trades. And when we're talking about trades with the draft, we oftentimes focus on trading up or trading back. But I think it, it, with, with the Grizzlies specifically, I do kind of want to talk a bit more about holistic trade ideas because I think there's a lot of benefit. We mentioned, I mean, Dylan Brooks, while not a particularly efficient offensive player, was a high usage player last year. They will have to fill that usage in some way. You can always count on jaw to miss some games and you're just going to have to try and figure out some other stuff. And and that could mean a consolidation trade. It could mean, you know, moving 25, 45 and 56 for something. So Brian, let's talk about either, whether it be trade up, trade back, or, you know, targets who are already established NBA players. What are some trades that kind of interest you for the Grizzlies here? Yeah, so with the uh, draft day trades, I'll say I personally wouldn't uh, be too thrilled with the Grizzlies trading up uh, just because I'm not sure how much it would take. It seems like it might take a lot to get much higher than where they're at at 25. I know last year they were really active on draft night. They traded the 22nd and the 29th pick for number 19 to go up and get Jake LaRavia, and then they moved on just a few minutes later and traded DeAnthony Melton for that 23rd pick and Danny Green so that they could draft uh, David Roddy. So we know that it's definitely in their nature to go up and get somebody. Um, I just think, you know, with things they have, they have their own first round picks for the next several years. So they could use those and, you know, a picks uh, based package to go and get a upset all-star at some point. They also have a 2024 first from Golden State that's only top four protected. So they should expect to get that next year. They could use those to move up at this draft or, you know, potentially OG Ananobi or something like that. Um, I think, you know, as an established NBA guy who we always hear being brought up in trades, I think OG Ananobi would be fun for Memphis. But, um, yeah, as far as draft day, you know, going up to get picks, 
I think they'd be best to stay at 25, but you know, Hey, if they see their guy sitting on the board, just a picks, few, uh, a few picks before them, I totally get if they think that it's the right move to get up there. Um, <clears throat> I think for me, you, you somewhat have like your number one and number two guys, right. With jaw and, and Bain, um, and in Jaron Jackson, I mean, you have a, your, your big three established already. And so now it becomes like, can you get like those super fourth and fifth guys like OG no OG and Anobi was a good example where he's like a super he like on a fourth option on a team and with the obvious defense that he brings filling in for Brooks like that would be huge um someone like that uh obviously everyone's gonna throw Mikel Bridges in there too I don't even know if he'll be available but for the Nets they probably just want to keep him at that point but if you're available somebody along those lines right someone that's like able to be arguably the third best guy on any night or second best on any given night, but really brings it on defense. Um, I think the Grizzlies have a lot of consolidation they could do. Um, you mentioned all the names, Bryce. There's um, a, like, I think you could just package a bunch of them together and, and maybe add a pick or two if you need to. Um, but you have guys like Brandon Clark, who's big for them, but then you also have, you know, another backup center in Tillman who played big for them. You have uh, other guys just around that roster, uh, money you could move like Luke Kennard, um, stuff like that, where you could just package, I feel like, you know, a few of these guys and, and really get someone that is, is super impactful um, in your starting lineup to replace Brooks. That would probably be my main thing to look for is who can I fill in for, who can I get to replace Brooks in that starting lineup? That is an upgrade as well. I think that would be the, the biggest key for me. It's kind of hard to find guys for this team other than just let's go get the boring three and D wing that no team wants to trade because, you know, they're going to want three first round picks and nobody's going to give them three first round picks. The, the, this team also, yeah, probably can't really for, I mean, this team has a lot of first round picks, but I believe most of their first round picks are their own. And just generally, I would not imagine those picks to be viewed as high upside. And, you know, as much as I like a Jake Laravia or Zaire Williams, both of those guys I, I like a lot, I don't think that moves the needle as much as an Anthony Simon, sadly. So so those OG Ananobi McCall Bridges types definitely feel a bit priced out for the Grizzlies. The, well, I'm with I'm with you guys. You guys kind of mentioned that guys in this draft don't really stand out as like great trade-up options. I think someone who I, if you could convince the 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 Pelicans to do another trade back trade, I would be interested in moving up if someone like a a Grady Dick or Bryce Sensabaugh or you know even Jet Howard, like even though I don't love Jet Howard, like one of those types of guys, should they be there at 13? I like the idea of getting like another legit shooting wing. Um, who, you know, maybe has some, like, put the ball on the floor upside, but doesn't – that's not even completely necessary. Just, like, I think this team really could benefit from more legit spacing. Um, I think something that did hurt them was that Dylan Brooks, by the end of that Lakers series, was just getting completely ignored. Um, and that's just – it's hard when you have jaw and you're going to play Steven Adams because Steven Adams is the greatest screener in basketball history – um, like, I, I don't know if anyone has ever done it like him, to be honest, but I like, you know, you're going to play those two next to each other. You have to have that space to go around them. Jaron Jackson at a time in his career looked like he could potentially be like the greatest shooting big ever. And that's kind of fallen off. Like, it doesn't seem like he's really that type of, I mean, there was a time, I believe his sophomore year in the NBA, 
he aver- he shot 40% from three on over eight attempts a game. Um, and there was like a thought that like, oh, that's who this guy is. And it just doesn't seem like that anymore. I don't know if it's the effort he's expanding on defense or, or whatever, but um, so I, like, like if you were to trade up in the draft, getting one of those guys. And then I, I mentioned, I think they're kind of priced out of the type of jaw or not jaw, sorry, OG McCall, but there are a couple of guys who I would be interested to see them try and swing a deal for. And it's kind of weird, but they're Miles Turner and Chris Osporzingis. Now, I know that Steven Adams is a great screener, but I also think there'd be a lot of benefit to being the greatest rim protecting team in the league with like the twin towers of Kristaps and or um and or Miles next to uh next to Jaron. And then you have another shooter at the five. Both of those guys are very legit shooters. And Kristaps sp- specifically can also put the ball on the floor and attack a closeout. Um, get get a bucket for himself if he has to. So those are two guys I'd be really interested in trading. It would probably be some sort of package of 25, I would imagine like a Tyus Jones and then Brandon Clark to kind of make the money work there, like those two combined. Um, And then you might have to sweeten it with like future first or again, 45, whatever that might look like. But there's kind of just a general gist of of that stuff. And and, and Brian, like you said, the, the likelihood of moving up or back giving up like like making like a significant move up just doesn't seem super likely it's going to be if they move up it's going to be moving up from 25 to 21 to just make sure they land their guy and throwing in a future second or throwing in 45 and 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 those are less interesting to talk about so let's talk about some draft fits because i think this is a really fun 25 is a really fun spot to be because as we've mentioned a couple times uh during this 30 for 30 series the draft kind of falls off a cliff at like 20, it's somewhere from 21 to 25 to, or 26 or somewhere in there because there's this consensus top 20-ish. And then after that, the, the difference between 25, 26 and undrafted is marginal. There's very little sense for what that looks like. So at 25, it can be either A, you're, you're hoping for a big faller, or you're taking a someone who you perceive as much higher upside than than the consensus. So let's start with those kind of ideal, like if they get this guy, they're getting another Desmond Bain S steal. Obviously, it doesn't have to be that caliber, but Brandon Clark type steal where they just like, oh, they've done it again. Brian, who would some of those guys be for you? So for me, um, it's been a little bit of a a winding road to get to this, you know, couple of people I think is the perfect fits. For Memphis, um, one guy we've actually already talked about before, so um, I guess I'll go ahead and start with him. But um, I think a really good fit that I've talked myself into is Marcus Sasser from U of H. I think he's an older guy that you know can step in and really contribute early on, and I think Memphis would benefit from you know having somebody that they don't have to view as much of a project um, as you know. Zaire Williams a little bit was, but he was a 10th pick, so it makes sense. But um, Sasser, he's a 6'1 guard with a 6'7 wingspan, so he's a little bit shorter than I usually would prefer. But um, I just think he's pro-ready. He's going to come in and be able to knock knock down shots at a very high clip. I think he's a pretty smart defender who plays with good anticipation. He's going to give himself a chance on that end. Um, and I also think that uh, I should have brought this up earlier, but uh, that Melton trade a couple years ago or last draft, I think it did leave a hole for them, um, you know, having another guard that could handle the ball. And I think that kind of was a problem that showed in the Lakers series, uh, especially when I guess they won the game when Ja wasn't there. But when he was off the court, 
Uh, I think Sasser gives them an option. He can go get a bucket. He can hit threes off the dribble and things. So I think that's the top guy that I see for them. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see who you guys' ideal fits will be. And I'll leave some of my good options for later. You know, I, I do love the, uh, the Sasser fit at 25. You can't get too much toughness, too much grit. You know, just somebody who I think could fall to this range, but I think could be just like a potential steal and like, oh my God, how is Memphis? How do they keep getting away with it? Could be a, a Brandon Podziemski. Um, you know, I think he's like a real shooter, you know, solid 6'5", can really rebound the hell out of the ball, high feel, can defend a solid amount. He's just uh, like somebody who I think is kind of getting overthought because he's not a traditional athlete and he could fall all the way here to Memphis. And then, God damn it, how do they have another great wing who can also kind of play guard, who can play multiple positions and, and do whatever. Uh, and if Dariq really hits free fall because of the, the injury stuff, you know, you could see him falling to here and Memphis being the team that's like, I do not give a shit about the injuries. You know, this guy is really good. Uh, and that's, I think, like, that's the proper way to think about it. You know, as long as the injuries aren't like end of his career bad. And we don't know that kind of stuff, obviously. But, you know, there's a world where teams really overthink that. And, you know, I, I think Memphis could be a team to benefit from that here at 25. Yeah, I think um, th the two names that come to mind for me um, would be, I think, Kobe Bufkin, if he were to fall this far. Uh, I don't know if he falls this far. It might be a little bit high, but... Um, I think he really gives them another guy, another guard off the bench. So it's not all on Tyus Jones. Um, he can create. And I think Buffkin can still maintain like this off ball type of role in lineups with Tyus um, that really benefits him. And I think maximizes like the best of what Kobe is, is as an off ball guy. Uh, and you could still keep him in there. Like I said, running lineups with Tyus. And I think uh, using him as a cutter and um, the defense that he brings, like, he can still close lineups for them if need be like there's, there's possibilities for that. So I think he would be a really big one for them. Um, there's actually a couple more names. I, I just noticed um, Colby Jones, I think is just like a very much a Grizzlies type pick as a guy who can contribute in a lot of different ways, brings the defense, um, brings ball movement, uh, can play lineups when Tice is out, like Colby can be the backup or sorry, excuse me, Jaws out. Uh, Colby can be the backup point guard. Uh, he could just fill a lot of different roles for them, and I think he would make some sense. Uh, and the last guy I'll bring up, um, which is kind of um, more of like a projecty pick, but I think, you know, if anyone could maximize him, it would be the Grizzlies. It would be um, Max Lewis. Um, I think that he just provides a lot of uh, lengthy wing depth for them, someone that I think can become like a really high-level shooter, at least on spot-ups. Um, has a lot of funk as a passer. Um, I just think that he makes a lot of sense for the Grizzlies specifically, and they can take their time bringing him along as well. Yeah, so I actually I, I went a little more uh, like like uh, ambitious with my potential fallers because I think that's what the Grizzlies are really good at is just taking the value that falls to them. So the guys stand out to me are Leonard Miller and Nick Smith Jr. Um, are either of these guys likely to be there at 25? No, but it's possible. And as we've discussed, Memphis has shown a intense willingness to move up for their guys. Even last year, I believe they moved up to 19 to secure Jake Laravia. So 
if those guys are there at 19 and they're really in on one of them, I could absolutely see them moving up. Now, Nick Smith is an interesting one because again, like how high do you want to draft someone you would your your ideal role for as a backup ball handler? I don't know, but I think he's a lottery guy on my board. And if he falls, like just take that bet. Um, his defense is really impressive, his his shot making. And then Miller's a guy who it's just how does he fit on this team? I don't know. But if we've talked about, you know, then maybe down the road, if they're trying to get to this next level, needing another shot creator, Leonard Miller is the one guy who I could see really deep in this area, him and pods probably that I think could be that type of shot creator third guy on like a championship caliber team. So pods was my other guy that uh, one of you took, but I, I, I think those are the guys for me. Brian, is there anyone else? You mentioned you have a couple other names. These can be ideal fits or even more just like you expect them to be at 25 and you'd be really, really happy with it. Yeah, going to be uh, completely upfront and honest, I think, uh, in order. My names got taken by Cooper and Stone with the first three or four guys that they picked. (laughs) But um, uh, I do think that uh, there's another name that I'll bring up. I'm not sure um, really of somebody that I think is – a good fit outside of who we've already named at least you know that I'm thinking of right now but one name I kind of think of him as a bit of a reach but I also could be talked into it what do y'all what would y'all think of the idea of having Derek Lively and Jaron Jackson Jr. together on the floor Um, for me personally I think you know it's it's a little early to take the center but that would be a lot of block shots together on the floor so I'm lower on Lively than some, but I actually do like that idea um, just because it, it seems pretty clear to me that the Grizzlies don't want to play Jaron Jackson Jr. as like a pure five. And I think that makes some sense. I think a lot of it is that they prefer him as like a help side shot blocker than a uh, like drop rim protector type. It's sort of like the Giannis and Brook thing. Like for Brook and drop and Giannis roaming and help, um, and I think Lively, while I have my concerns with him, does project as a very solid drop big. So, so I do like that. And, and 25 is like maybe a little high, but also as we discussed, like there's a chance everyone we named uh, in that first section is gone. And then, you know, Derek Lively, I think, makes a lot of sense there. Yeah, I think it gives them to just more options um, with their lineups like uh Xavier Tillman isn't that sort of guy as a rim protector um Brandon Clark I think can be but I think they like running Clark like strictly as a backup five um and I think it gives you options in the playoffs right like there's definitely series like probably more series than not where Steven Adams just probably can't play playoff basketball um he's just going to get schemed out of a lot of series so having someone like Lively that can probably still make his way on the court. Um, I think definitely, um, you know, just gives you that sort of versatility and doesn't completely like, you know, take away one of your um, better regular season assets. Yeah. The more like, especially if they're going to lose Clark, just having somebody who can like, you know, you can run him and Jaron as a, you know, like a dual big, different kinds of rim protection where they can each cover for each other's weaknesses, especially if you want to move Jaron more out to the perimeter, uh, which I don't know why, because I think at least to me, you know, some of the best offense they could run, especially in that Lakers series, was just let Jaron cook. Uh, you know, I, I think he had a, 
he, you know, he had Anthony Davis down there in the blender uh, pretty often, you know, which is pretty impressive. Uh, I, I know Lakers fans here are going to hate me for saying that. And I didn't watch as much of the series as I should have. Okay. Because I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a bad person, but every time I watched, you know, I, I just, I don't know about like 25 for, for lively is a little high for me, but you know, mega athlete, I trust the Grizzlies player development. Um, you know, there's people who buy him as a shooter. I don't think I'm there, but I think the Grizzlies, you know, if they can get that out of him, why the hell not take him there? No, I think, uh, that's, that's about it for good fits. I think as long as they get one of these guys, I think they should be all right. And you guys have already almost talked me into Derek Lively there. I still have some concerns about his potential to uh, play in the playoffs, um, you know, with the Grizzlies, since Jaws not a shooter, uh, at least most nights, sometimes he is. But um, yeah, I just don't know about the spacing, but it, it definitely, you guys brought up great points with the, um, you know, scout, I mean, the development team there. I do trust them to make sure that Derek Lively at least knows what his role is and can go out there and do that effectively. And it also gives them an out uh, from Steven Adams, you know, once he's done with his contract, they won't really. Uh, have to worry about what the next move is they'll already have him in house so i think that would be positive but um yeah i think that's it for fits for me yeah it's hard to talk about reaches in this range because as we mentioned like the draft falls off to an extent to where it's like i don't even know if there's a reach at 25 because the amount of guys who i think are you know like legit shots to be nba players feels a bit you know hard to hard to stomach for me like i like i i don't know if there's any like horrid picks here i even think like bobby clintman who i know coop or not coop hates but stone really hates like i think he'd be a fine pick at 25 like i just think like he's just a guy who maybe he doesn't hit but if he does he's a versatile wing defender who can hit open shots and space the floor for for jaw you know even like like a chris murray who i don't love would be like a fine fit here Am I wrong? Like, Brian, do you think there's any, like, bad picks here? Any picks you'd be really out on? Or are you with me where it's, like, basically anyone here for the Grizzlies kind of makes sense? Oh, yeah. No, that's definitely – I completely agree that it's hard to see who a reach is at this point because, you know, even if I think that they're a reach, you know, somebody else can say, oh, well, we have them top 20 on our board. Like, we got lucky to have them at 25. So um, I think it's hard to classify what a reach is, but – um, one guy that I've seen some people talking about in, at 25 and some people have a first round grade on him, um, Jaime Jaquez, I'm not ready to take him with the 25th pick just yet. I actually really like his game. He's a good player, but um, yeah, I, I would not be thrilled with taking him at 25. I think he's a guy that would be better suited to, you know, get him on that second round contract and then, uh, you know, see how he does holding up against NBA athletes every single night. But um, yeah, I think that's the name that sticks out to me is if they take him at 25, that's I'm calling that a reach on the day and we'll find out if I'm right or wrong after a year or two, at least. Yes. Coop Stone, are there any guys who have seen out to you as like you, you would say they're, they're legit reaches? No, not really. I think most of these, like, like uh, Brian was saying, like, even if I think they're reach, like a lot of people probably think that's around the range they would take them or even higher. So I think for most of the names after pick 20 or so, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot like that where it's, you know, anyone could pretty much go between 20 and 50. Uh, I think Bobby Clintman is a reach and that's my, that's my only opinion here. 
I, I second that. All right. Okay. Just to piss off Bryce. Actually, no, I'll say I'll throw another one. Noah Clowney would be a reach for me who could fall in this area. Let's talk about pick 45. 45 is again, it's not an area where there's going to be any any reaches or anything. And, and honestly, we could probably tie in 45, 56, and UDFA kind of all together because again, we mentioned how flat this draft is. Let's just this is like a this is like a chance to talk about guys who we just we like who we think are kind of undervalued. And, and that we think will be in this area who we would like, because once you get to 45, 56, and especially UDFA, there's not really any bad picks. There's only whatever picks and good picks. So let's talk about some good picks. Brian, who stands out to you as a guy who would be in the range of these two picks that, that you would enjoy in the, for the Grizzlies? Yes. So some names that I liked in the second round. Um, and I also have another thing I'll say at the end of this, but, um, Jalen Slauson, I think he would be a good fit with the culture there in Memphis. He's going to come in there. He's going to work. He just fits that grindhouse mentality that, you know, Memphis has been pushing for a while. I think he would be a good guy to look at. And they have brought him in for some workouts I've, you know, seen with some uh, Twitter research. So I think there is some interest there. Um, I also like Jalen Clark out of UCLA. Um, I think he would be a good fit there, especially with the defensive uh, you know, aspect that they'll be losing with Dylan Brooks. He was a second team all defensive guy and not that Jalen Clark, he also has, I think, an Achilles injury that may keep him out at the beginning of the year. But um, I think long-term he's a guy that could step in and really stop people from scoring. So I think he would be helpful to have. And then another guy that I'm just kind of higher on than most, I think right now is, uh, and maybe this would be a UDFA if he stays in the draft, but uh, Tristan Newton, I just think he has, you know, a, uh, NBA feel like he just is able to control the pace. He knows how to hit his shooters. He knows when people are, you know, feeling good. He looks to get Sonogo the ball if he's just hit a couple shots. Like he just he strikes me as a guy who is going to be able to, or at least deserves a shot to get onto an NBA roster. And I think we've mentioned it before, but the uh, Grizzlies could use some more ball handlers on the team. And uh, then the other thing I wanted to say is with 45 and 56. I would like to see them trade up because we've mentioned that the draft kind of falls off a cliff somewhere around 45 or 50. So I think it would be really great if they're able to put 45 and 56 together and move up to like 35 to 40 range and then take one of the guys that we mentioned that, you know, could be falling down there. So they end up the draft getting, you know, two guys that we named in our, you know, realistic fits. I think that's definitely a possibility. So that's what I'd like to see. But uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think that would definitely be the best move for them, especially because we talked about early on how deep they are, right? Like, do you really want to bring in three rookies when you could bring in, like, maybe two, one that's more quality than, like, the other two that you could get? So I think that makes a lot of sense. I also am just kind of thinking, like, a lot of these guys just aren't going to get playing time because there's so many guys. Um like Vince Williams, a lot of draft people like last year, he'd even play for them. He was on a two-way because uh and and I still think he's like a legitimate rotation type guy. So maybe Chandler um, got cut. Like he's a guy yeah. who I thought was like like for the right team, like could provide some first round value and he got cut. And a lot of people were like, Oh, it's because he's small. It's not because he's small, it's because there's too many damn dudes on this team, man. Like it's it's yeah. it's hard to it's hard to like this is this is what we were talking about with the consolidation trade. Like you can only have just a ton of assets you like for so long before they're going to start to wither and die because they're not getting any development. Like, like an important part of basketball is playing basketball, like in a competitive environment. And 
you're just missing out on that when you have all these guys who can't like even I love Jake Lurvy. I thought Jake Lurvy at 19 was a slam dunk pick last year and he barely played this year because well who's he going to play over you know and David Roddy got some minutes like you know David Roddy I could take your leave but it's just it's tough and you, you're going to have to see at some point the pendulum's going to swing one way or the other and you're going to they're going to have to make a decision and and move some guys but sorry not to interrupt stone but just kind of to back up your point no, you're right. And I think the other thing too is um, people always say like, oh, you know, there's a log jam and you're too deep, but, uh, and they say, you know, that's like a good problem to have. Like, yes, that's probably the best issue. If that's your biggest issue for a team, that's probably the best thing you have to deal with, but also it's still a problem nonetheless. Like it's still something you're going to have to deal with um, and you can't just, you know, continue to let happen. Um, Cause a lot of these guys like, do deserve NBA minutes with their play, but they just can't really get it on this team. Um, but anyway, so before I sidetrack too much, I think uh, Anton Watson is someone I really like. Um, I think that he makes sense for this Grizzly team too. Um, can be like a backup forward slash big. Um, you know, if you already take Lively, then that's probably too many bigs. But I think that he is very much just a Grizzlies type player. Um Another player I think they could get a lot out of just because it's the Grizzlies and I'm not even super high on him would be Tosan. I'm going to butcher this. Evwom, um, who I think uh, really can be like a creative and fun passer. And I think Taylor Jenkins would be like a smart enough coach to not necessarily scheme him in because you're not probably going to scheme in your 56th pick, but I think um, has a smart enough offense that would allow toast on the play to his strengths as a passer and create or not even creator but just access those passes um and the last guy i'll mention is uh mojave king i think he uh can provide um some wing and slash guard depth um and, and be you know really athletic defensive type guy for them i don't think uh aboma is going to get any playing time over fellow not an nba player uh kenny lofton on that team but uh i, I love the sentiment uh, I, I would love to see them get Ricky Council, um, especially with the loss of, you know, other basketball psycho Dylan Brooks. I think uh, a guy like Ricky who can just come in and, you know, do crazy shit. You know, I think he can really be an offensive force for them off the bench, you know, with the lineup, with the starting lineup, if they really buy the shot and can get that developed. Um, you know, I really like him and his just the grit and toughness and stuff that he brings to this team. Really, uh, really fun player. And then just for memes, I think that they should bring in DeAndre Williams in the fifties, you know, Memphis to Memphis connection, you know, make him a Memphis lifer. You know, he's already about 40. So they, you know, they really need vets on this team. So uh, I I would love to see him come play for them. Yeah. So a couple names stand out to me. Alex Fudge is a fun one. Uh, I just think that he is a, uh, you know, great defensive prospect. Can you shoot? I don't know, but I, I, you know, just get just get funky guys on this team. Speaking of funk, Dylan Jones is my like funk master of this class. I think he's someone who's really underrated. I would draft him at forty five. Like I straight up, I'm that high on him. Um, I think he is just like someone who I think is going to contribute to winning basketball, and he's also just another thick boy. Um, this team just needs more of them. Uh, the you know, real real lack of thickness on this team. Um, and then that's that's really it for me as guys I really like love here. I just 
I, I think my general sentiment is like just keep taking bets on wings, I suppose, or, or shooters. You know, if a Julian Strother is somehow there at 45, that would be an excellent pick. I doubt he makes it that far. He seems more like a guy who is going to sneak maybe into that first round even. Um, is this a team who could, you know, make something like really work with like a Colin Castleton if they want to back up big or a, you know, Ryan Kalkbrenner is maybe a guy here. Um, just I, there's a lot of names. I mean, obviously, when you're talking about the, a, a draft, like like three picks or, or two picks and undrafted guys, like we can go forever. But it's a pretty good list of names we got there. Uh, definitely enjoy. I think this is the first time we've had Tristan Newton brought up. I always like to keep track of when we have someone brought up for the first time on one of these thirty for thirties. But I think that's about where I'm at. I think <clears throat> I'm with Brian. By the way, 100. percent Like if you if you're gonna make picks in this draft trade both those picks and move up. Um, even if you're just moving up to like 39 or something and just get some sort of faller, whoever that may be, maybe a city Sissoko falls to 39 trade up and get him or, you know, whoever, like, I, I just think that's probably the better case. And, and if we wanted, we could talk like, you know, maybe if they wanted stashes, there's like Nadir Hefe, there's Nikola Dursic if he's around. Aslan makes a lot of sense. Malcolm Caslon, though I'm not sure he would want a stash. I mean, obviously, if you get drafted, you don't always have a choice. But um, just kind of those are kind of the names who stand out to me as as um, some like if you wanted to stash guys, even like trade up for a uh, uh, James Naji. I, I keep wanting to say Zeke Naji. That's he he was a couple of years ago. But uh, before we get out of here, Brian, we always like to ask our guests kind of worst case, best case scenario for the draft for the off season, like however you want to take it. What do you think like the worst case scenario for the for the Grizzlies is this offseason? Yeah, so I think worst case scenario is um, they end up coming out of the offseason without having any type of, you know, backup point guard for potentially uh, Tyus Jones, you know, in case job ja misses games for any reason. I mean, he's a guy that drives the rim so hard every single game you expect him to come out with a few nicks and bruises so I, I think they really do need to get a second guard to go in um to the next season and I think uh also they need to do something obviously about replacing Dylan Brooks role um so I think they need to either draft somebody that they think can be that three and D wing that doesn't force the issue a little bit too much on offense uh, or they need to get somebody in free agency I would really not like to see them trade away uh, like Tyus Jones for a first round pick or anything like that. That would probably be my, you know, nightmare scenario. But um, I think they're in a good spot. It's tough to say that they have a true terrible situation just because of the, you know, core that they already have in the house. Yeah. Do you have a worst case? Like, I, I, and I know it's hard. We talked about how like reaches are, are like hard. Do you have a worst case pick at 25? Mm. Yeah, uh, probably Jaime Hawkes if I had to give one. Not No offense to Jaime. I think he's a great basketball player, but. Um, that's probably the worst one that I've seen people talk about. And that's, yeah, I would not advise them to do that, at least right now. Yeah, all right. Let's end it on a fun one. What's the, what's the best case scenario for, for the Grizzlies here? You know, whether that's a big trade or a just, you know, keep the core intact, bring in a backup point guard, make a good draft pick at 25, however you want to take that. What's the best case scenario for the Grizzlies? Yeah, I think the best case scenario is they come up with, definitely one of our ideal fits um, for that round one 25 pick. I particularly like Sasser pods and uh, Buffkin and even Whitehead if he falls. 
Um, and then if one of those guys falls into the second round, like we've mentioned already, they package those two and they come out of this draft with, you know, a collection of those guys that we had as good fits. I think that's, you know, best case scenario. Um, that's really what I'm hoping they're able to pull off. And with a team that made as many trades as they did last year, I definitely think they'll be willing to, you know, put their money on the line and go get somebody that they think is really going to help them over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'll say if I had to give a best case scenario, it would be somehow swinging, you know, trading 25, the two guys I mentioned for Miles Turner. Um, I just think that's a, I, I, I understand that maybe that's not for everyone, but I think at least that like buys into something. And I, I just think, I don't want to say a team like lacks identity because obviously they don't. They're, they're, a grit and grind, you know, play tough team, great defensive squad, one of the best coaches. But I do think like right now it does feel like their ceiling is maybe a little limited. I just don't think there's enough elite offensive or defensive firepower. They're just like really good on both ends. You bring in Turner and all of a sudden you're like, you you can be the best rim protecting team in the NBA. Teams are just not going to be able to score consistently on you at the rim. That's something that I think could translate to the playoffs. And then also Turner and Jaron Jackson are both versatile on both ends. They can both shoot a little bit. They can both put the ball on the deck. They can both sometimes switch. So that, that would be my best case. Brian, this has been an absolute blast. I think that your stuff is, is always great to follow. And, uh, you know, it's been fun having you in the space more and more recently. So let people know where they can find uh, all your great work. And, and thanks again for coming on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And thank you guys for having me on here. Um, really, all the stuff I've been putting out is just on Twitter right now. So my uh, Twitter handle is uh, GM understudy 22. And like I said, that's really where I put everything out. Um, my DMs are open if anybody wants to, you know, join in on some basketball conversation or draft talks, uh, you know, specifically. Uh, and yeah, that's really about it. But yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Really, I had a great time talking this draft through, uh, you know, from a Grizzlies perspective with you guys. And uh, I hope one day we're able to, uh, you know, meet up and get another uh, round of basketball in, at least with Stone and Cooper. I know they, uh, I, I hear Bryce is the best one out of you three. So I'm hoping to find out in person sometime. That's what he says. At some point, I'm going to put Cooper on a poster. That's like, it's like I, I literally dream about it every night. Um, that's that's what I'm ready for. Uh, hey, I might be I might be in uh, in Houston soon enough. So, uh, but no, this was this was great. Follow Brian. Everything will be down in the description, and it'll also be if you check out our website, there will be a link to his Twitter page on the website as well. Uh, this has been great for Coop at Elliot underscore Coop underscore Coop for Stone at Report underscore Court. Again, follow Brian at GM understudy twenty two. This has been the Upside Swings to be a Draft Podcast. We hope we are ceiling. Thank you. We'd once again like to thank the people at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.